Psalm 141 is a psalm for the tempted. It presents the reality that even the holiest of saints has the potential to be the most horrific of sinners. The closer one draws to God, the more aware he or she will become of their potential to sin. And so Psalm 141 demonstrates that if one toys with sin, sin will overtake them. Therefore, as the inscription tells us, David the author, that David here prays to God to guard his mouth and lips, to turn his heart from evil, and to protect him against the allurement of the delicacies of those who work iniquity. As we look at this psalm, we're going to see in verses 1 through 4 a prayer for purity, in verses 5 to 8 a prayer for patience, and in verses 9 and 10 a prayer for protection. Let's begin with verses 1 through 4. A prayer for purity. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice deeds of wickedness with men who do iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. See, David begins his prayer with, Lord, Yahweh, I cry out to you. He cries out for God to come, asking for a sense of his presence. He wanted to know that God was there. And for emphasis and urgency, he adds, give ear to my voice when I call to you. So as we saw before, when there's a repetition in the Psalms, it evidences a sense of urgency or emphasis. And so twice he says, I call upon you. And again, he further emphasizes that call when he says, give ear to my voice. Literally, for God to give him his ear is for him to hear his intercession. As David prayed in Psalm 17 and verse 6, I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. And now he says that he wants his prayer to be as incense ascending from the altar. And this is a reference to Exodus 33, or excuse me, Exodus 35 and verse 15, where offerings would be made as prayers were given, as, and as the incense wafted into the heavens as a sweet-smelling uh, uh, aroma, it pictured the how our prayers are to God. Just as that incense was a sweet-smelling aroma, so our prayers should be a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And they are when we bring our intercessions to Him. Do you understand that when you pray, when you ask God a, a, a request or make a petition of God, that to Him, that is the sweetest smell to his nose, if he had a nose in the way we have a nose. David wanted his prayer to be a sweet aroma to the Lord, similar to the incense that's burned in the evening sacrifice. You know, in the book of Revelation, chapter 5 and verse 8, and chapter 8 and verses 3 to 4, incense is again uh, used as a picture of prayer in heaven. 
Incense is burned in heaven to represent our prayers that are being offered up. And then he asks that the lifting up of his hands before God, the lifting up of my hands, not only does he want the the prayer itself to be a sweet aroma, sweet smelling aroma but now he's making this gesture this physical gesture of lifting up his hands it's also mentioned in psalm 28 2 63 4 and 134 2 and the gesture of lifting up hands is like a child lifting their hands up before their parents to show them yes mommy yes my hands have been washed i washed my hands before before dinner well, when we lift up our hands to God, we're saying, Father, Holy God, my hands are clean. I've cleansed myself. I've repented of my sin. And so if in order for our prayers to be a sweet-smelling aroma to God, there's two things here. One, our prayers have to be prayers of intercession. We're having to bring our request to God. It's not a case of this is what you need to do for me, but please, God, would you do this for me? The other side of, of our prayers, in order for them to be a sweet-smelling aroma, is that they have to be offered from a cleansed heart. If you've got sin in your life, believer, you need to confess and forsake that sin and then make your request known to God. Now, the content of David's prayer is given in verses 3 to 4. He asks first for God to place a guard over his mouth. Now, that's something that all of us should be praying for. God put a guard over our mouths. And he adds in parallel, keep watch over the door of my lips. His desire is that no evil word would pass from him. Now, here's David, the friend of God, praying, Lord, keep my lips from evil things. Put a guard over them. Keep them shut. And behind guarding our mouths is the guard of our heart. You see, what comes out of our mouth is what's already in our heart. And so, what is solved here is that by putting a guard over his mouth, by keeping watch over the door of his lips, he doesn't have to be troubled any longer with his speech. Now, he still has to deal with his heart issue. But at this stage, he's got to get control of his lip issue. Jesus says, There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him. What comes out of a man that defiles a man, for from within, out of the heart of men, proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murder, thefts, covetous, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, evil eyes, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. You can't blame other people for your sin. Your sin is your problem. It comes from within you. And so David immediately adds here, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing to practice deeds of wickedness or criminal acts with men who work iniquity. That word there, work iniquity, is the idea of straying from the straight path. Now, he's already said, Lord, put a guard over my mouth. But because he understands that what's coming out of his mouth originates in his heart, he now prays to God, Change my heart. Take away my heart's desire to do evil things and to think evil things. Take that from me. Take away the desire to practice wickedness, to practice lawlessness. Take away from me that those passions and desires that are not honoring to you. 
He knows his potential for evil, and so he continues, do not let me eat of their delicacies. The word delicacies here refers to the sensual luxuries procured by wicked activities. You can cross-reference that with Proverbs 4 and verse 17. David knows that his heart can be turned towards evil, and he's praying against that real temptation. He knows that the men who work iniquity is a, are attractive to him. You know, he's a, he, you know, all of us are attracted to sin. You know, I don't care how long you've been a believer, don't walk around with this air and attitude that you've somehow obtained sinless perfection because, friend, you haven't. You still need to be invoking God. If the friend of God invokes this prayer, how much more do we need as friends of God to invoke this prayer? He's praying, Lord, arm me in my fight against temptation. See, spiritual battles have to be fought spiritually, and that's why he's praying. It's like we saw before. You know, the, the weapon in our warfare, the weapon of our spiritual battle, isn't just the armor that we put on. It's not just the shield. It's not just the sword. It's prayer. Prayer is the, is the first thing we need to engage in as we head into spiritual battles. Paul exhorted us, put on that spiritual armor so we can stand against the devil. He tells us that right after that, verse 18 of Ephesians 6, and pray without ceasing. So you move, I move forward in our spiritual battle on our knees. Verse 5 to 8, let's look at his prayer for patience. Let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. It is oil upon the head. Do not let my head refuse it. For still my prayer is against their wicked deeds. Their judges are thrown down by the sides of the rock. They hear my words, for they are pleasant. And when one plows and breaks upon open the earth, our bones have been scattered at the mouth of Sheol. For my eyes are towards you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave me defenseless. Now, David's prayer in verses 1 through 4 for purity is now followed by a series of curses that he makes against himself if he should sin. Man, I'll talk about the seriousness of his prayer. How many of us would be willing not just to pray, hey, Lord, keep me from this sin, but Lord, put a curse on me if I do sin? He begins, let the righteous smite me in kindness and reprove me. So if I'm sinning, Lord, I pray that you would lead the righteous, you'd lead a brother or sister to come and, and in kindness, reprove me. Now that's important because, you know, we're, we, we can be very quick to reprove one another. We've got no problem getting in people's faces, but we're to do it kindly. And that's something we have to work on. And he's praying that when they do this, it'll be a wake-up call. He continues, it'll be oil upon the head. Let my head not refuse it. See, this chastening may hurt, but it's actually a blessing. And just as someone in the ancient Near East would welcome the anointing oil on their head, anointing oil was used for a number of, of things. Uh, it was used to anoint someone for service, uh, to anoint a king, to anoint a prophet, a priest. But it was also used as a medicinal, as a soothing, it had a soothing effect. And so David's praying that if, if, the, if a brother or sister, a righteous brother or sister comes to me and confronts me and reproves me kindly, then he says... Let me not refuse it. Let it be 
refreshing to me. Okay? That's how it should be. You know, if we have to go to a brother or sister, it should be refreshing, not destructive. He doesn't want to traffic with wicked works. He doesn't want to traffic with men who work iniquity. And if he does, he says he's going to bring these curses on himself. He wants his sin to be interrupted. And so he's praying for patience. He goes on, he says, For still my prayer is against their wicked deeds. Their judges are thrown down by the side of the rock. Now, the Hebrew can be taken temporarily here to say when their judges or when their leaders are judged. See, he's praying not only for himself, but here's where the patience comes in. Lord, help me to wait. Because, Lord, I really want you just to wipe these wicked people out. But the reality is, they're here to stay, at least for the moment. And so, Lord, I'm still praying against their wicked deeds. And, Lord, I'm looking for the day when their leaders are thrown down by the sides of the rock. Lord, I'm waiting for the day they hear my words and their mouths are shut up. David says that when the leaders or these judges of the wicked are judged, they hear his words for they are sweet. In other words, they're going to hear his words and know that they're true. In verse 7, he says, Right now, because the wicked are still going on, because I'm still praying to keep me from sin, I'm praying that their sin is dealt with, he says, His bones are like those scattered at the mouth of Sheol, the abode of the dead. Uh, the idea of them being scattered is the idea of a plow coming along and cutting up the earth in an old burial site. And, you know, the bones are being lifted up and scattered all over the field. That's how he's describing this hour of trial. He feels as though, you know, he's a dead man and they're just plowing his bones up and they're scattering them all over the field. That's how he describes uh, the affliction that he's in because he's dealing with internal temptation but he's also now dealing with these wicked who are out there who are trying to entice him to come and partake in their sinfulness. They're literally dancing on his grave. God, don't let me down. He says, don't leave my soul destitute. And then there's a prayer for protection in verses 9 and 10. Keep me from the jaws of the trap which they have set for me and from the snares of those who do iniquity. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. So he's prayed for purity. He's prayed for patience. Now he's praying for protection. He asked God to keep him from the jaws of the trap which the evil people have set for him. These are the snares of those who work lawlessness or iniquity. They want to net him like a wild bird. And he says, let them fall into their own nets. Now we've seen this before in Psalm chapter 9. He says, let them get caught in their own traps while I just walk safely by. He's prayed against his evil heart. He's asked for his own protection. He's confident that God will answer. He's praying that the iniquity of those who tempt him from out without will not overwhelm him. He's praying that he can escape whatever they want to do to him. You see, here's what you had to remember, believer. It's one thing to reject the wicked. It's one thing to say no. 
But what happens when you don't partake in their sinfulness? Perhaps the jeering, perhaps the mocking, perhaps the slander comes. And so many times, it's not the initial temptation, but it's their mocking, their slander, their jeering that forces us to rethink our position and causes us to go and slide into sin with them. We can't afford to get caught in their net. Let them get caught in their own nets. Lord, protect us. Lord, help us to walk safely by. My friend, you and I face temptation every day. What are we going to do about it? Well, we've got to pray. We've got to pray first and foremost for purity. Pray that God puts a guard on your mouth. Pray that God turns your heart. Pray that God gives you purity. And as you pray, before you utter one request, make sure you've confessed your sins. Second, pray for patience. It's going to require endurance for you and I, not only to keep battling our own temptation, but to continue battling the wicked that are out there that are trying to entice us as well. And we've got to be endure and be patient while we await for God to judge them. And then we need to pray that God would protect us. Protect us from stumbling into their trap. Let them say what they want. Let them slander all they want. Let them malign all they want. Because at the end of the day, it's better to be censured by men than to be censured by a holy God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank and praise you for your word, Lord. And Father, I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you, Lord, that we can invoke you regularly when we sin. Not that we desire to sin, but Lord, we confess that we do sin. But we know that when we confess it before you, you're faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, Father, we can come and petition you. We can ask of you to hear us and to hear our cry. To, Lord, be, help us to be pure. Put a, put, a, put a lid on our mouths. Turn our hearts. Help us to have the desires that you would desire for us. Lord, give us that endurance, that patience, while waiting for you to judge the wicked. And, Lord, preserve us and protect us. Father, when the slander comes, when the maligning comes, when the jeering comes, Father, help us to stand firm and not be caught in their snare. We pray in your Son's name. Amen.